good morning, guys. Let's go to First John chapter 1. We're back on version, so you can go to version and look for CIL. That sermon notes are preloaded. We're ready to go. Now, getting ready to preach in 2020 is just a little bit different, some for personal reasons and some for, you know, societal reasons. So first of all, I just brought up with me a lot of stuff here, you know, just a lot of stuff. Um, I've got my readers here just in case like God speaks something from his word that's not in the notes and I just need him and because I'm 45. So that just works out. Then, then I have in, in one pocket here, I have a mask, you know, just because I love you. If you want to get to my personal space, like this close, the mask is going on. You know, we're, we're fine if we have, you know, four feet, five feet, six feet, whatever it is, but the mask is ready. But the other interesting thing about this is in the other pocket, I have mints. So like, which one do I need? The mask? Are the mints, if I have the mask, do I really need the mints? Or are the mints really for me? So anyway, just just things to ponder. Because it's Labor Day weekend and you're at church. And the kids are with us. It's great to have our kids here for Family Sunday. And so, you know, kids, I tried to keep your interest with something somewhat humorous. So here we go. Now it's all just serious Bible stuff from here on out. So you're you're out of luck from this point forward. Um The title of my message today is Walking in the Light. Walking in the Light. And I have felt, and you probably felt it too, like uh, in 2020, this this cloud of darkness has come over our land. And, And as I was thinking about that, I don't know if it's so much a cloud as we first think as much as it is pressure. Because when pressure comes, it brings out what is happening on the inside. So we, we're having a real shaking in the church. Guys, there are people who were part of CIL in February who aren't part of CIL anymore, and, and their faith has been shaken. I know there's a video thing, and for those of you in the video, you're part of our family, and don't feel judged because you're actually watching the service right now. But there's like tons of, there, not tons because that's a lot, but there's a significant portion of people who just are not active in their faith anymore because when the pressure came, uh, the, the darkness overtook the light that we had. And, and we, now we got to be honest about it. Okay. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of image management, but, but now there, there's truth. And, and, and some of us, I just need to say this. You need to repent of not putting God first. And this has just been a convenient excuse to turn away from God being the passion of your life. So it's not so much about this darkness overcame us as much as there's this darkness within us and the pressure has caused the stuff that doesn't belong to God to come forward. So now we're going to talk about this morning, like, God, bring us your light and let us get under your light and in the scope of your light because we want to walk in the light. We don't want to walk in darkness. We want to walk in the light. So we're in 1 John chapter 1, and why don't we go ahead, if you're able to, uh, let's stand to honor God's word. We This isn't a law that we have to do this every week, but I'm telling you, one of the things that is, is being attacked today is God's word. And so when we, when we, when we read his word, it is, it is a way, when we publicly read it, like Paul told Timothy, like we're honoring and we're saying, we are here to hear the word of the Lord. 
not the word of a man or not just an experience. We're here to hear the word of the Lord and let scripture change us. And so here, here we go. Let's, let's pray this or not, let's not, let's not pray this. I guess we, we should pray, but uh, I'll read it. And then afterwards we'll respond with a call and response and say, thanks be to God. First John chapter one, starting with verse five, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. There is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. You may be seated again. So I've had the opportunity to go to London twice in my life and at the, at the Tower Bridge, there is under uh, security, something you can go see, is the crown jewels of the United Kingdom or of England. You see here, Queen Elizabeth, we'll put a picture of her up there. She, she was wearing this crown. And I mean, quite frankly, that's an ugly looking crown. I mean, I wouldn't want to be king or queen because I wouldn't want to have to wear that thing. But that doesn't, that's just a personal opinion. In fact, in, in college, we had the homecoming queen, and at my little college, we had a homecoming king, and nobody wanted it because no one wanted to wear that goofy-looking crown that looked kind of like that. But it's very valuable nonetheless, and here's a picture of the actual um, imperial state crown, and all of those are real jewels. So when I saw this uh, this particular crown, I was on a conveyor belt, and it was high-security and you're going by the conveyor belt and you can see this crown, but no stopping for secure reasons. And right in the middle, that diamond right in the middle is the largest diamond in the world. Uh, it's actually been cut up, but it was found in South Africa in 1905. And um, they cut a portion of it to put it in the crown, but it's symbolizing, okay, this is the most valuable, one of the most valuable pieces or objects in the world, and when it's put on the queen, it's put on the future king, it looks like it's going to say authority has changed. Why is this so valuable? And they put all of the jewels in. This is from an earthly perspective. It's because, yeah, we, we don't have to look at the ugly crown anymore, thanks. Um, it, we do it because there's a uniqueness to it. There's a uniqueness. A diamond like no other. A diamond that looks like no other diamond. There's a uniqueness to it. And that uniqueness has a power behind it. And that uniqueness catches our attention. And so there's other diamonds in the world. But that center diamond on the crown, nothing quite compares to it historically in size and value. And that value brings something symbolic to that crown. All right. We're going to talk about the light of the Lord today. And, and here's my first observation about the light of the Lord out of First John chapter 1. God's light is his uniqueness and perfection. And, and I really want this to settle in your heart today. You are made in the image of God, but God is not like you. 
Okay? So you're different than anything else in created order. So like you are powerful in the sense that like we have this ability to relate to God and have the emotions God has and the intelligence God has. And so we're made in the image of God, but God is not made in our image. And see, that's where we have it backwards. And humanity has attempted to humanize God. And, and this is one of the, one of the, problems we have in our theology forming or even in our morality or even in our ethical choices and, and as those relate as those relate excuse me to God himself we want God to be like us and so God if God is conformed to us then God makes sense and if God makes sense then we worship him and I'm just here to remind you of a truth that there's a uniqueness about God and beyond uniqueness I expanded this point to put a very important word, and that's the word perfection. God is, God's light is his uniqueness and his perfection. Because when you start using metaphors, really, those don't really work for God. Like, to say, well, God's like the jewel in, in, the, in the imperial state crown, and it's a, he's like a diamond that's better than all the other diamonds. Well, that's not necessarily true. That, that was a good way to start the sermon. And it's a good way to kind of bridge to my point. But really, any metaphor about God is, has its weaknesses. Most metaphors have weaknesses anyway, but ones about God certainly do. And, and though it helps us a little bit, it, we have to be careful that we, we realize that God is so unique, unique, and his uniqueness doesn't just mean that he's different. It's a uniqueness and perfection that means that he's incomparable. So even when we try to come up with illustrations that even Jesus used illustrations to help us understand the kingdom, but those fall short of the uniqueness of God. There's a perfection in him. And I want you to, to think about some of these phrases that I'm going to say. In God, nothing is dark. Nothing is sinister. Nothing is tricky. In God, nothing is impure. In God, there is nothing deceptive in God. In God, there is no motive unholy. But we, we seem to be real skeptical about God. And, and we conform him to our image. But he is completely incomparable. So now let's go back to the passage that we read publicly and we thank God for. 1 John chapter 1, starting with verse 5, as we just focus on the light. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. This is where, you know, we, we must accept this God who is so different that we can't even describe. We're made in his image but he's not made in our image because he is absolutely perfect without error, without darkness, without anything sinister, without any shadow of, of, of mystery in the ways of evil. He is absolutely light. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Aren't you glad we know a God who is not dark? Who, who doesn't do things that are evil, are unholy. Everything God does is completely pure. This is a baseline. This is a starting point for the fear of the Lord. 
that this is why we worship God. And our worship to God is different than any attention we give to any other entity. And we have to be careful not to divide our worship to someone else or to something else. So in the days we're living in, I've noticed something. Is that everything right now is considered bad. Everything's considered bad. Schools are bad. Higher, higher education's bad. Religion's bad. The church is bad. I've even said that a few times here. Our politicians are bad. So on, so on, so on. Everything is bad. It's like that, that's why all of this pressure is like, like we're seeing everything in the filter of bad. So here, here's a question, and I, you're going to love the psalm today. You're going to love the psalm we're going to read today. I mean, I just, I just read this in a new way, and I'm, I, when I read this, I'm like, I'm so excited to share this with our people this week. Here we go. Psalm chapter 4, starting with 6, verse 6, says it this way. Many are asking, who can show us anything good? <laughs> Isn't that true? Hey, who can show us anything good? Is there anything good? Is there anything good in our leaders? Is there anything good in our religious institutions? Are there, is there anything good in our economy? Is there anything good? Many are just saying that. Can you show me something good? And here, here's what the Lord says in that verse. Let the light of your face shine on us, Lord. That's a prayer to the Lord. And, and remember, I tell you this often. Remember that Lord means God's specific name. It's all in caps right there. Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who can show us anything good? Let the light of your face shine on us, Lord. And then I love the rest of the scripture. It says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. We have more joy than when the economy is really good, when sales are really up, when the lottery is won. You have put more joy in my heart than when the, the grain and the new wine. And now we'll go on to verse 8. Verse 8, I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. How many would say that's just an encouraging song right there? That's an encouraging psalm. That's a word for us today. A word for us. You know, the, the question is, who can show us anything good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, oh God. So here, here's what's about to happen. And this is not some kind of necessarily prophecy because you can figure this out too. Guys, y'all know Middle Tennessee, it's about to get dark. I mean, it is. Time change Sunday is not too far away. And then the sun changes. And so we're, we're here in Middle Tennessee about 4.45 p.m. It'll start getting dark. The days get shorter. The nights get longer. And we know, too, that we have unresolved national and cultural issues. One is an election. Others is, is, is the social unrest. And we're all struggling to find God's heart and God's wisdom through all of this. There's many, many other things about our society that are unsettled right now. So I can see in the immediate future, it's probable. And I don't really want this to happen, so I'm not like a prophet of doom because I want to be here. But it's logically and reasonably, I'm using reason and logic here to say that in the next few months that we're going to have 
some dark and challenging times in our country. But here's the good news. Lord, let the light of your face shine upon us. Say, so here's the deal. The light of the Lord is always shining. It's always shining. But do you know when light is more apparent? It's more apparent when the darkest days come. We see it more clearly. We need it more deeply. We understand it better. So I want you to begin to anticipate seeing more of God's glory, more of God's face, more of his light, a greater understanding of his presence, more breakthrough in your life, more a sense of the presence of God abiding in your home, in your vehicle, in the place that you work. Guys, we don't have to dread the days ahead. Because the goodness of the Lord is before us. The goodness of the Lord comes to those who need it and cry out to it. In the place that is very dark, the light of the Lord shines brightly. And so I'll I'll read this again and let's go back to Psalm chapter 4 verse 6. Many are asking, who can show us anything good? Let the light of your face shine on us, Lord. And I'm expecting Personally, I'm just declaring this in my life for the next four months to be great in my life. I'm just expecting to have four good months ahead of me. Four months of meaningful conversations, right? Four four months of, of spending time with people that I love. Four months of devotionals with the Lord, meeting with the Lord. Four months where the light of His face keeps shining upon us. So I want us to be people of hope. People of hope are people who say, I can predict and see where the trends are going in culture. That's not hard to do. You don't have to be that smart to do that. But what it takes is it takes maturity and wisdom and spiritual understanding. And it takes the grace of the Lord to say that even though those around me may fear, my heart will trust the Lord. Even though the darkness feels thick, And the darkness feels like a cloud over us. And the pressure brings out stuff we don't even like within ourselves. Lord, let the light of your face shine upon us. More of your glory and more of your power. That's what I'm expecting. In the midst of great darkness, the Lord declares that over us. My face you will find when my face you seek. And there's glory and light upon his face. All right. I enjoyed preaching that. I hope you enjoyed hearing that. That's point number one. Y'all want me, I have three more points. You want me to end now? Well, I shouldn't ask you that because, of course, all my amen corners are like, come on, keep going. So last year, actually it was earlier this year, Beth took me on a date, which is pretty awesome. I had subjected Beth to years of dates at sporting events and museums. And she likes sports and she likes museums. But now she got to plan the date. And that reminds me, I've got to call you out on this, Pastor Josh. The first year I met Pastor Josh, he says, uh, I'm going on a trip, a Valentine's trip with my wife. I'm like, where are you going to go? He goes, I'm taking her to a Duke basketball game. (laughs) Dude, that's not... Her Valentine trip. That's your Valentine trip. <laughs> so Beth set up this night for us, and there's a there's there's a place 
in many cities across America, including our lovely municipality of Hendersonville, that is a salt spa. And you, you go in this place, and there's just salt everywhere. There's like blocks of salt and salt candles and salt medicine. I was looking for the salt candy. I couldn't find any of that, but they had salt everything else. So I was like, all right. You know, I was reluctant, but here I was. And so we go into this room, and you have to take off your shoes, and that's just never the will of God to do with people you don't know. So we walk into this room with salt, and there's like 20 people in the room, and, and you, you sit in lawn chairs, and there's mood lighting there. And I'm like, man, I love my wife, but this is weird, man. This is really weird. And so um, there's like 20 people in the room, room, and I get out my phone, and I'm looking at my phone, and a lady gives a little lecture, and she singles me out. And she says, hey, don't, don't pay all this money and sit there on your phone. And she pointed at me and had like this nonverbal, so I turned off my phone. I happened to be reading the Bible, but, you know, I wanted to tell her that. I'm having my devotions on my phone. So I got scolded by her, and the lights went down, and we're sitting in salt. Now, here's the cool thing about it. I actually really enjoyed it, actually. It ended up being really cool, and I felt I fell asleep and just, you know, took a good snooze for 25 bucks an hour. And um, so then it ended, and we've been sitting in the dark in salt, listening to strangers snore. It was so romantic. And then all of a sudden... The lady comes in, the lady who scolded me, turns on the light. And like everyone in the room did this. This is the funny part. And, and I hate to even show this on camera. It went like that when the light went on. You know, just, have you ever seen that face? I mean, when someone's been in a dark room and the light comes on, everyone looks ugly. The whole world looks ugly when that happens. I mean, I mean, you've been in the dark and then the light comes up and it's like, whoa, whoa, too, too much light, too much light. Um, so here's my second point. God's light impacts his people. God's light impacts his people. Now, light is a good thing. And that theme is going to continue to come up. Light is a good thing, but when you've been in darkness and light shows up, it, it can feel disturbing at first. And, and this, is, this is a reality we need to understand even in our personal walk with the Lord. That conviction doesn't feel good on the front end but it brings life and it brings wholeness and it brings the presence of the Lord with us. So this is what the apostle John said in chapter one, verse six. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. Verse seven, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. We'll just stop there for now. So this is the title of the sermon, Walk in the Light. And if you are a believer in Christ and a disciple of Christ and your destiny is in heaven and God settled that whole salvation issue, then as you walk in the light, the light's going to impact you. And so over the long trajectory of our life and our walk with God, if we don't have spiritual fruit in our life, then we're not walking in the light of the Lord. Okay, so we can all come up with examples of 
when we've sinned this weekend by things we chose to do and maybe we've sinned by things we just unknowingly did not do. I didn't pray enough or didn't seek God about that purchase or whatever the case is. So, so we all know that we, we live as people in process of sanctification. But if, if you said a prayer because you didn't want to go to hell, but there's never been any fruit in your life. I mean, there's never been any affinity for the things of God. There's never been any desire to get into the word. There's never been any sense of the Lord having control of your life. Then you're in this, you've deceived yourself most likely. This is what the scripture says. Let's look at verse six again. If we say, this is verse six, we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and we are not practicing the truth. And the first part of verse seven says it this way. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. We'll get to the rest of that scripture later on. So if you're in fellowship with God, then his light impacts your life. If you're in fellowship with God, then darkness begins to become less attractive to you. Darkness begins to eliminate from your life. Darkness becomes less and less prevalent in your life. This is the belief, the scriptural belief that light and the light of God, which is the glory of God. And remember this, what the light of God is God's uniqueness and his perfection. God's uniqueness and his perfection impacts his people. So the presence of the Lord among us impacts us. It convicts us of sin. It changes the way we live our lives. It it reprioritizes us. It causes us to change the way we live. His light is effective. His light is impactful. His light makes a difference. Let's go to Acts chapter 22. And now, remember, just remember when it says light, think about this as God's uniqueness and his perfection. Paul is telling the story of his conversion. And starting in verse 6, he says, As I was traveling and approaching Damascus about noon, look at this, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. Verse 7, I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I said, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go to Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. And that did occur later on in the passage. But look at verse 11. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and went into Damascus. Now, I want to use this as a metaphor for the glory and the light of God. Guys, conversion is very disruptive. Conversion is disruptive. Conversion messes things up. Life isn't tidy after you meet Jesus. When you meet Jesus, it knocks you off your donkey sometimes. I didn't mean to say it that way, but I'm going to say it again the next service. 1045. I'm not even sure contextually. Was he riding a donkey? I just remember seeing a picture of that when I was a kid in the 
cartoon Bible, so I hope that's scripturally accurate. I hope those artists were scripturally accurate 40 years ago. So this light disrupts. When light comes to a room, when you're sitting in a dark room, the light comes on, everybody winces. It's a good thing. But initially, it's a hard thing. Light is necessary. And without light, you know, all kinds of bacteria is going to grow and all kinds of evil things could occur. So light's a good thing. But when light first comes, it's not attractive sometimes. Sometimes it blinds us temporarily. Sometimes it disrupts things in our life. So your conversion to Christ may have messed up your business plan. And you may lose money to follow Jesus. Your conversion may mean that the vacation deposit you're going to lose. Your spending habits may be disrupted when you see the light of the Lord. That long-term relationship may change when you see the light of the Lord. Because it changes things. His light changes things. Light reveals. Light heals. Light transforms. Light calms our anxieties. Light takes away the mystery and the shadows. So people of God, let us be those who love the light. Let's not be people who love darkness. Let's love the light of his glory, even when at first it's uncomfortable because we adjust to God. He doesn't adjust to us. How many of your eyes end up getting used to the light? We adjust as human beings to the light around us, but the light doesn't adjust to us. You know, friendship is always about something. You don't just become friends in a vacuum. Friendship, it revolves around something. So I see Cole here in the third row. He and I are in a fantasy baseball league together. Now, we, we have other things in common, but every week we kind of check in with each other. How's your team doing? How's your team? We're playing each other. And by the way, my team is beating his team this week. And I'm so proud of my skill with a bat and with a baseball. Wow, isn't that amazing? But, but friendship is about something. And so we, we have different reasons that we're friends here. We have friends group. Sometimes it's an age affinity. Sometimes it's an interest affinity. Um, and, but, but friendship's about something. In fact, in friendship, the, what is said, usually unknowingly, is you too. You like that too? You're interested in that too? My, my sister-in-law's dad, um, so he's not blood family, but he, he's family, and I've known him for 20 years now. Uh, I used to run into him around town, and he would go out to lunch places by himself. And I'd be on a lunch appointment, so I'd say, hey, Bill, what's going on? And then we would evaluate the lunch place. So now every time I see him, I promise you this, he, he asked me, you found anywhere good to eat lately? So I usually make up something real quick. And he was like, last time I saw him, he's like, hey, there's a place up in Lafayette, man, that's good catfish. And you know, I was like, great, thank you. I filed this in a way. See, our friendship is about lunch places. That's what our friendship's about. We have something in common. I know that surprises you, but we're interested in where to go to lunch. So friendship is about something. Now, here's what we all have in common as a family of God. We have in common the light. That's what our friendship's about. Okay, our, we may have other interests within here that, that 
stratify us in a good way. But as God's family, all ages, all races, all generations, we have in common the light. We have in common Jesus. We have in common the word. That is what draws us together. He draws us together. Here's my third point. God's light draws his people together. It's really not my point. It's the Apostle John's point here. Look at verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So a lot of reasons, a lot of, uh, and I'm just going to be frank, a lot of the reasons people pull away from the church is because they're not walking in the light anymore and they're convicted because we have in common the light. And now that I'm attracted to darkness. I don't want to go to 242 anymore. I don't want to go to men's Bible study anymore. I begin to like now criticize the church, criticize the church institution, criticize Aaron, criticize all that because uh, really the point of us getting together was the light. And I don't want the light anymore. So this is what the scripture says. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So, I want to say this is watch out when sin infiltrates church groups because that can happen too. You can have a women's Bible study, a men's Bible study, a youth group, 242 group, a worship team, and sin can infiltrate what what was once based off the light is now based off of sin and danger comes. Danger comes. So Christian fellowship matters because we fellowship around the light. Okay? We fellowship around the light. We fellowship around Jesus. We fellowship around the power of his word. That's why Christian fellowship is different than fellowship that is only based off shared interest. Because it's based off the holiness of God. It's based off like we're going for the Lord together. We're going for the Bible. We're going for the scripture together. We're going for the things of God together. And that's why Satan who has been compared to like a lion, he really wants Christians to get isolated and out of community because they're so much easier to pick out. <laughs> they're so much easier to, to, to attack when Christians are by themselves. So it is that, guys, we fellowship together. Small groups are powerful, not because of social dynamics only. I mean, that, that is, we have to acknowledge that, and I understand that. So there, there's a powerful social dynamic in small groups. But there's a spiritual dynamic too. And let's not discount that. Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. It says, again, I truly tell you that if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. The presence of the Lord is for the individual, but it is also multiplied in community. It's multiplied in Christian fellowship. When things revolve around the light, the light of the word, the light of his presence, powerful, powerful. That's why we want to continue to create communities of people who love one another in the Lord. Communities of people who, who say, you too, you're into Jesus too? <laughs> You're into scripture too. You're into holiness too. Come on, let's go together and let the light of his presence bring us a different kind of fellowship. It's different kind of fellowship. 
And we can still be friends with those who turn away from God, but it's just different. I mean, it's just different. And the scripture gives us instruction about that too and how all of, all of that navigates. All right, here's the last thing I'm going to share. God's light keeps bringing us to Jesus. And this is what the apostle John said in verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. So part of that, do you see the connection? Like Christian fellowship brings us to the cross. It brings us to Jesus. It brings us to repentance. It brings us to accountability. It brings us to spiritual formation. It brings us to the place. It brings us to Jesus is what it does. That's why the church matters. That's why the gathering of God's people matters. It means the koinia, the fellowship of God's people makes a difference because it keeps taking us to Jesus. And verse nine nine says this, or eight, I'm sorry. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, verse nine, he is faithful and just. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is now talking about functional righteousness. You know, positional righteousness is established by the salvation we receive and by becoming sons and daughters of the Lord. And that, that is now, now we talk about this righteousness that comes when we continue to let his cleansing power convict us of sin. We continue to repent of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And we walk in the light. We don't walk in darkness. Believers, believers do walk in darkness at times and they are called back to the light. That's what the part of the preaching of God's word and the fellowship of the saints and the, the presence of the Lord through worship is calling us back to the light. It's calling us back to the good things of the Lord. In the book of Acts, it's our, my closing scripture, as they're giving the gospel, they say, let, this, let it be known to all of you. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 10. And to all the people of Israel, but by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing here before you healthy. It was a man who had just been healed. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. Verse 12, there is salvation. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. I don't know if we have verse 12 under there. I might have given the wrong notes. But verse 12 said, there is no other name. There is no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to people which we might be saved. So guys, I, as your pastor, I encourage you, I challenge you. I warn you in the Lord, walk in the light. Walk in the light. There are dark places in your life that the Lord wants you to know you don't belong there anymore. There are dark places in your life that the Lord says, that's not for you. That's not for you. That's not for my daughter. That's not for my son. Those aren't for my kids. My kids don't belong in that dark pathway. My children don't belong in that dark way of thinking. 
my sons, my daughters, we're in the light. We're in the light of the glory. Show me something good, the world says. Lord, let the light of your face shine upon us. Look to us, O Lord. Send your favor to us, O Lord. Give your attention to us, O God. Your people who are called by your name, who are walking in repentance. These are great days. Guys, these are great days to be Christians. These are great days to know the Lord. These are like the days that Daniel prophesied. The people who know their God shall be strong in the Lord and do exploits. We're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We're going to see the glory of the Lord. I cannot wait for Advent this year. We started talking about that. When the world was dark and the message came to the Jewish people, the light of the world. Jesus the Messiah came. Guys, we're declaring that message, that message in the days that appear to be dark. More light is here. Here It is here. It is resident. The incarnation has come. The, the, the order has changed. And now we get to choose to walk in the light. Come on, let's pray together. I want you to just prayerfully stand. Prayerfully stand if you're able to. You don't have to. So, Lord, change what attracts us right now. If you're attracted to the darkness, oh, the Lord just wants you to know that his light is for you. His light is not for certain personalities. The light of the Lord is not for the bubbly. Okay, that's not the light of the Lord. I hope the bubbly people have the light of the Lord. So no no offense to the bubbly people. We need you. The light of the Lord is for the introverts. The light of the Lord is for the solemn. The light of the Lord is for the intellectual. The light of the Lord is for the deep thinker. Don't be so prideful to think that you're so deep that you can handle that which is dark. Come on, be children to the Lord. Could you be children to the Lord and be innocent before the Lord and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your direction. I need your truth. I need your light. Lord, I want you to expose things in my life that are not of you. The exposure of the Lord doesn't leave you in shame. The exposure of the Lord leads you to the glory of the Lord. (laughs) It's the light of the Lord. and, And he shines upon our motives and he shines upon our bad habits and he shines upon our actions. And he doesn't do it to expose us. He does it to show his glory upon us. And that's why we realize that we are sinners. We are people who, who are walking with a glorious limp. We're like Jacob. You know, we wrestled with the Lord and we're still limping along in the Lord, but there's a glory upon us because there's a gateway of heaven above us. I mean, it's a gateway to heaven. We've seen the glory of God ascend and descend in the place of struggle, in the place where you couldn't overcome your flesh, in the place you couldn't overcome your tendency. It's the place where the glory came. And it's a place, it's a glory connection. It's a place that you can connect with the Lord. And so he's not intimidated by your mistakes and your weaknesses because it's a chance for his glory and power to rest upon your weakness. So give it all to the Lord. Give it all. Don't just give your talents to the Lord. Don't just give your best to the Lord. Don't just give your personality to the Lord. Give even the parts of you you want to hide because it's okay with the Lord. The Lord the Lord is not intimidated by your darkness because his light's going to overcome the darkness. 
His light's going to overcome it. So, Father, we just bring everything to you right now. Everything to you right now. God, we give everything to you, knowing, God, that the light of your glory is going to shine upon that which is we have called dark, upon the shadows that we think are hidden. Father, the light of your glory is here, and we receive the light of your glory. We receive the light of your glory. You know, with eyes closed right now, I just... Just, just for your privacy and just so you know that the camera doesn't show anyone in the crowd. So no one, you know, your grandma in Iowa won't be watching you if you raise your hand. Um, not that she'd be watching this anyway. But anyway, uh, you have privacy is what I'm trying to say. And so here you are right now. And if God's moving in your heart, if God's moving in your heart, you're just saying like he's moving in my heart right now. And I just need to confess that to the Lord. And I'm going to do that by by lifting my hand just to say, Aaron, God's convicting me right now. God's rearranging me right now. God is resetting me right now. God is putting me on a different path. There's a different way. And if you're sitting on the far right side of, of here at CIL, would you just raise your hand and say, the Lord's working on me right now. Anyone in that far right section? Okay, anyone in these two middle sections say, the Lord's working on me right now? Okay, thanks. Any, anyone in the far left section, just say, the Lord's working. Okay, you can put your hand down. Anyone else in that far left section? Okay, Lord, we thank you, God, that you are working. You are working. You are working in our midst, and you are doing a great work with us, Father, and we praise your name. Uh, the communion that you may have picked up as you came in, we'll have a time where we can, um, we can take communion. Aubrey will lead us in a worship song before I give our benediction. You may want to just get back in your Bible, go back to a scripture, mark it. You may want to pray with someone you came with, but we have a chance now to respond to the Lord. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of confession and, and you can pray this prayer with me, calling on the triune God to forgive us of our sins. Let's pray this now. Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world.